Hey, this is Dan Reeves. I'm the lead pastor of Journey Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Welcome to our podcast. Before we get going, we just want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. We believe that you matter, not only to us, but to Jesus. Our hope is that you find something new and life-giving in Him today. Here's today's message. Man, what a, what a good word. Um, just to see how God has invited and provided just two of our faithful members and leaders at our church, Miss Nancy and Miss Elizabeth. And we hope if you've been walking with us for the past few weeks, we've been going through a series um, called Proving Ground. And we've just got to hear story after story of people in our own church that have said the same thing. Maybe I didn't feel equipped. I didn't know I could do it. But this is how God has used me to be able to reach others and to serve for them as well. And so if you are interested in, in serving, like kind of like what Miss Elizabeth said, if that is like kind of just moving on your heart, um, please stop by the Welcome Center. Um, you can find me or Will Grudenwall or whoever's working at the Welcome Center. We'd love to get your information so we can help you with that. And so my name is Chris Wilson. I'm one of our college directors here. My wife and I moved here about three years ago, if we haven't met, from Jackson, Mississippi. And I'm just so thrilled to be able to be with you guys this morning as we continue on in this series called Proving Ground. Um, today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19. So if you have a Bible or your phone tab, tablet, laptop, I don't know what you brought. Um, feel free to turn there. Um, Luke chapter 19, we're going to be looking at the story of Zacchaeus. Um, another faithful story, I believe, of how God can take just normal people who do not feel like they can be used when they come into encounter with him, that God can be faithful in that. If, if you've grown up in church or maybe you've heard the story of Zacchaeus, you probably know like a really cool song um, you know, about how he was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. I will not be singing that song for you this morning. I will not be. Um, Rachel usually asks me to sing every week. I'm usually busy. Um, I will not be doing that. Um, our, one of my favorite pastors, Kevin Anthony, he would love to sing you that song with hand motions and everything after the service. You feel fine, Tim. Um, he would love to sing that for you so you can find him afterwards. Um, but the story of Zacchaeus is a, is a pretty simple one, right? Um, I believe it's something, whether you have been in church for a long time, um, been a Christian for a while, or maybe you're new, it's something we all can relate to, of someone who is seeking after something, having an encounter with Jesus, and they are drastically and radically changed. And so would you look with me in verses one through four? We're gonna find Zacchaeus is seeking a savior, and I think we can all fully relate to him by the end of the day. So verses one through four say, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Okay, a few things we need to understand about where we're at. One, we're kind of towards the end of Luke's gospel. Um, there's, there's 24 chapters. We're in chapter 19. So Jesus is at like height of ministry, okay? Like if, if Twitter was a thing, he is trending every week. He is popular. Everyone knows who he is. They are trying to find what town he's teaching in. And they don't even have that. And crowds are just following him constantly, okay? So he is the great healer. He is the great teacher, and people are gathering around as he does these miracles and teaches about the Torah to just listen, soak it up. 
And today, one of those guys that's following around is a guy named Zacchaeus. So a few things about Zacchaeus. He's not just short, okay? There's more to this guy, all right? Um, he's a tax collector. All right, if you're unfamiliar with tax collectors of the Bible, um, we have to understand that this is actually not a compliment. So people reading this weren't like, whoa, how cool, tax collecting, my favorite major in Jewish college. No, that's, that's not really a thing here, okay? Uh, we have to understand that the, the Jewish people were actually under Roman oppression, and the Roman government were, was taxing those people. And usually what you would find is tax collectors were usually Jews who were then taxing their own people, taking the money to pay the government that was oppressing them. Not cool dudes. Not a cool move at all. And on top of that, they usually would have an agreement with the tax collector said, hey, if you just give us this amount by this time, if you have anything extra, you can just keep it. So it's not even the fact that they are like taking advantage and robbing from their own people. It's that they're making bank off of it and they're living the best life ever. All to feed the machine that's going against their own people. So we see a lot in scriptures that it's almost considered that Jesus dined with tax collectors and sinners. Like tax collectors are in their own little world over here of just like terrible people, okay? Like you literally have sinners and and tax collectors. This isn't the guy you're bringing home for dinner, ladies, okay? It's not, okay? Mom and dad are not happy. These These are not the friends you wanna be running around with in college, okay? Oh, what does Zacchaeus do? He's a tax collector, mom. Okay. It's not a good dude. This is literally a mob boss who has just taken advantage and robbed people time and time again. And therefore he has been rejected by his own people and shamed. And he has built this incredible amount of wealth, meaning that we believe he's probably a little older and he is good at his job. He's a chief tax collector and he is wealthy. So we see the framework of who this guy is. He's trying to just see Jesus. And I think we're all kind of right there in our own lives sometimes. And the question I'd like to propose to you today is a simple one. What are you seeking? What is the thing that you're seeking right now? I believe we can naturally kind of see that Zacchaeus was seeking money. He's trying to seek wealth. And I believe at some point in our life, and usually we're trying to do this, we are trying to seek something in order to gain something. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been doing this like literally since I can remember, um, at least since high school. I mean, high school was about maybe two years for me, you know, two years ago. That's a joke if you don't know me. But, you know, I'm in a season of my life and I'm just like, I just want to get out of here. That once I get out of here and make it to college, college is the best I've heard. All the easy stuff happens in college. Then I get into college and all I want to do is graduate and get a job. And then I get the job and I'm like, okay, I just want to raise. And then I just want to get married because marriage will fix all my problems, right? Just fixes them magically. And then I, I, I need to have children because that will fix all my other problems as well. It'll like calm all the problems down if I have children. And maybe you're like me, maybe you're not, but you're, I usually find myself saying, what is next in my life because if I could just get to there, I can find some satisfaction. So maybe it's a major if you're in college. Maybe it's a job, a little more money, a relationship. Maybe you have lost something and you're trying to find something else to fill that void. 
But what we end up finding out is that these are things that will actually never leave us satisfied. I have a, I have a one-year-old son. His name's Calvin. Coolest kid I've ever met. Haven't met many kids, but I'm biased. And Calvin, he's about one now, okay? So we're kind of walking, kind of falling, you know? And I'm not saying he's not intelligent, okay? Let's just, just bear with me, okay? My kid is smart. Um, and I'm kind of noticing like he's always seeking something. And there's a few things really specifically. And one of the main ones is, can I put this in my mouth? Slash, can I eat it? Okay, and he's pretty confident he can do this with anything. Okay, so we have tried to eat electrical outlets. We have tried to eat, you know, power cords. Okay, and we, we stopped him after like the fifth time. We realized we, my house is safe, I promise. I promise it's safe. But he's tried to eat my shoe. He's tried to eat the chair. He just finds ponytail holders. Like you name it, rocks, grass, anything. He will try to put in his mouth and eat it. Recently, his grandparents blessed him and room in our house with this this large plastic fire truck with wheels because that's what we need. And in this beautiful contraption that actually has a water pump on the back because now you can spray water out of it. Again, what we need. Um, My son now has this thing. I know I'm looking at this. You can imagine it. Just imagine a red fire truck. And he, one, he doesn't want to ride in it. He wants to push it. He wants to push it around, and he wants to just chew on it. Okay? It makes no sense. He is trying to eat a red plastic fire truck that is three times bigger than him. And I'm like, dude, like we got some puffs in the kitchen and other food. But at some point, he's like pretty content with this. And so much I realize in my own life, I am seeking after anything to fill the spiritual void in my life just to find some spiritual nutrients, if you will. And I'm finding it in a bunch of other things that just will never actually fill that void. And hear me real quick, seeking after getting a good job, marriage, kids, the next steps, college, whatever it is for you, I'm not saying those things are bad. Okay, I just want to be 100% clear. But sometimes in our pursuit and seeking after those things, they will end up becoming something they were never meant to be. And we'll wake up and realize we've just been chewing on a large red fire truck for spiritual nutrients, and the plastic can only taste so good. It really only can. And we actually just need to find the spiritual food that can actually be appropriate for the satisfaction of our souls. And I believe what we see is Zacchaeus has gone through that, seeking after money. I mean, he, he, he has done this so well. And we find him in this moment where he just simply wants to see Jesus. Now, I, I don't want to read into this text too much. I think Luke is kind of being very simple and clear of who Zacchaeus is. But it doesn't say he wants to hang out with Jesus, talk to Jesus, touch Jesus, get some healing, He just wants to see him. And the only thing I can gather from some of these things that Luke is pointing to is that at some point in his life, money has not been able to fix this, this, and this, the thing he's been seeking. And maybe, just maybe, just seeing this guy that's teaching God's word, maybe that can be an answer. And as cheesy as it is, what we will find in our own lives as you go through it is that Jesus truly is the thing that can only satisfy our life.
And we see that Zacchaeus then comes into proximity with this savior. You see, he was seeking his own savior, trying to figure it out. But now he's coming in close proximity with the only one that can help him. And we see in verses five through seven that now Zacchaeus is known by a savior. A guy who's been rejected by society is getting in close proximity with someone like possibly never before. And it says in verses five through seven, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner? Right, so, so a few things are going on. We're, we're noticing that like Jesus knows Zacchaeus. Now let's go over this interaction. This isn't like Jesus is walking along. He's like, hey, weirdo, what are you doing? He looks up and he says, Zacchaeus. He knows him. And he doesn't just know him. He commands him. And not in a forceful way. This is a loving way. Hey, I want to come be with you. Let's go. And a guy that has been rejected by society probably most of his life, I would argue has either had relationships where people have rejected him or if they've accepted him, it's only because of the things they can bring to the ta- he can bring to the table. And this is care and love. He calls him to share a meal with him, not just a meal, but to go to Zacchaeus' house. I want Zacchaeus to be my host. This in this culture, in this day and age, this is friendship. This is intimacy. This is declaring we are together and we are friends. And even though Twitter's not going around, the word's gonna spread spread pretty quickly. Jesus is dining with a tax collector. Jesus, the most popular person right now in the world of this time, could have dined with anyone in Jericho. And he has chosen one of the biggest disgraces of the town. We have a personal and loving God who kind of just wants to have a meal with you. And maybe you, maybe you can relate to Zacchaeus, right? Maybe you could say, yeah, I have never really run after God. I've never really sought God, okay? I've kind of ran from him. I've been seeking satisfaction in all kinds of things, you name it, I've done it, but I've never found it. Maybe you found yourself here today and this is your, just like Zacchaeus' moment, I just want to see what this is about, maybe for the last time, maybe for the first time. And usually it's in these moments when we see encounters with Jesus, many times it's hard for us to understand what it means for Jesus to be so personal. And I believe for many of us, myself included, we can have moments of just unworthiness that bring about fear, shame, and judgment onto ourselves or onto others. And so if you believe that you're in this room, that you have done something so terrible, lived a life that's never amounted to anything, and Jesus could never be with you, I would like to say congratulations, you are wrong. Your sin's not that good. You can get over that one. 
Jesus is far greater than you could ever imagine. He can take it. And not just can he take it, he wants to. There's a, there's a book I've been reading. Oh, sorry, I cry all the time. If you're new, please come back. Like, I just, I'll get emotional. It's great. Um, there's a new book I've been reading. It's um, called Gentle and Lowly by a pastor named Dane Ortland. And he's going through these chapters looking at the, the beauty in the heart of Christ. And there's a chapter that just really wrecked me uh, of talking about how it is Jesus's utmost joy to take on our suffering and our sorrow. And if we do not let him take it on, we are saying, one, I can handle this and I can be my own savior. And we're not letting Jesus be Jesus. And when, when we allow and bring our suffering to who Jesus is, it, he can then comfort us. We can let him do his job in many ways. See, my son's going to fall and hurt it. And he falls all the time. He's one. He is just, he's terrible at walking. And he falls all the time and he cries. And I think it would hurt me more, not that he was hurt, but if he rejected me trying to love and care for him. Because I know how to. In the last, uh, the last sentence of one of his chapters, Dane Ortland says this, Jesus Christ is comforted when you draw from the riches of his atoning work because his own body is getting healed. And for some of us, what we need to do is we need to recognize that Jesus is seeking you. So many of us think that we are not worthy of who Christ is, and you need to stop and realize that Jesus is seeking after you. And maybe you've been seeking for your Savior and all kinds of other things that will never leave you satisfied, and I believe we can come to a moment like Zacchaeus when you encounter Jesus and realize, I think Jesus has been seeking me this entire moment. I think that's one response we can have. The other response I believe we can have that's not internal will be external and how we treat other people. And for some of us, it's gonna be really hard for us to receive our the own grace and give it to ourselves, but also it might be difficult to extend that grace to those around us. And what happens sometimes is that the church specifically can end up being more like the crowd of people here. And we've seen Jesus teach and do ministry. We've seen him heal. We've we maybe even believed in it and walked in this grace. But whenever we see other people coming to the table and we understand their sin and what they've done, we will then declare that they are unworthy of this. And we see a crowd that all they can see when they see Zacchaeus is not someone with the utmost potential of falling after Jesus, but someone with the utmost potential of how terrible they have been. And for some of us, I fully believe that we need to remember that Jesus sought you first as well. You're not other people's saviors that can say who and who cannot come to Jesus. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the fun fact is that we all kind of are on the same playing field because we all are born into sin. And for those of us that have followed after Jesus 
and made him our savior, we should live a life, not one of looking at others saying who cannot come, but should be more like Zacchaeus begins to do. And we should have the utmost joy all of the time. And we should be the ones that are constantly going and not seeking to be satisfied in other things, but going to others of how we can take what Jesus has done in our lives. And what that will do is that will reveal that we have actually encountered who this Jesus is. And we will have a change of our life. And I believe that's what we begin to see going on in Zacchaeus' life as we see in verses 8 through 10 that he is now changed by a Savior. He sought one all of his life, and it did not satisfy. And he comes into an encounter with one of knowing who he is, and that is not going to leave him in a place that he can say, I am the same. It radically changes his life. Verses 8 through 10 say, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is a total change, total transformation. Hey, I've had a lot of styles in my life. If you're really interested in this for some reason, come talk to me. Um, I've had many different styles of clothes that I've worn. I've had hair down to here. I've had beard. I've had no beard. I've had short hair. I've shaved my head. Okay, I I have gone through it in many different ways. There are people in my life that know me based on a look, okay? This is not the type of change we're talking about. It's not just a change on appearance. It's not just a change on style. It's not you put on a new t-shirt. No one's saying, guys, did you see Zacchaeus? He's got those new robes. They are lovely. He is, he is just radically changed. No. This isn't just the way he talks. This is everything about him. This changes death to life. Not, I had a weekend adventure. This is repentance. What we see repentance is, is it's walking and coming into close contact with Jesus and looking at our sin. And it's not just turning away from it, it's turning towards Jesus. We gotta turn towards something. Please pick Jesus. And as he turns to him, it is a continuation of, I am now going towards this. And the beauty of the story of Zacchaeus is now the thing that literally trapped his entire life that he sought for satisfaction is now the greatest weapon for for the gospel. The greatest weapon against the gospel was his greedy heart. Now the greatest weapon for the gospel is his giving heart. How, How amazingly awkward had it had to have been for Zacchaeus the mob boss to go into a family's home that he has probably been robbing for years and have a bountiful amount of money and for them to be like, we have this week's. And he's like, no, no, no. Here's not just everything I've taken from you, but four times the amount. By the way, let's read into this. This is just ridiculous what he's saying. And that's how much he's saying he's willing to give it away. Because of Zacchaeus' turning away from sin, he can use his sin to show people how Jesus has changed his life. 
And so the sin in your heart that you thought made you not able to take it to the cross maybe could be one of the greatest things that you could take the gospel to the people around you. But first, we need repentance. And we need Jesus. Because only Jesus can make dead things alive, gross things whole and new and pretty. You can't do it. No one else can do it for you. It is the encounter with who Jesus is. And, and I think one of the, the most beautiful verses that we have in Scripture is Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, that kind of gives us a small picture of this. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of, us uh, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Zacchaeus was not saved because he promised to do good works. He was saved because he responded by faith to Christ's gracious word to him. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, this is the story we've seen since the beginning. That at one beautiful moment we see in Genesis, Adam and Eve lived in perfect harmony with no sin, walking in fellowship in the presence of God. And something drastically nasty happened. A sin entered into the world and it separated that relationship, sending our little world into a sinful, spiraling ball of gloob. Okay? And we were born into that, into sin. And we have sought, just like everyone before us and everyone before that, we have sought and seeking everything we could to find satisfaction. And I believe that's because we are creatures that were made to be satisfied. Again, it's just, we're looking in the wrong places. And we see the beauty of who Jesus is being sent by God to say, hey, I can provide a way back into the presence of who God is supposed to be. But it also doesn't stop there, right? through that repentance of understanding our sin, falling after Jesus, we are sent back into this sinful world, called to live in this sinful world as representations of who Jesus is. That's what we're called to do. And our response to Jesus should be one of great joy. And I would argue our repentance should be a moment of great joy. Bear with me we should make confessing sin the coolest thing in the world as Christians. Because when we have conviction inside of our heart from the Holy Spirit, it is screaming, this is how you are not like Jesus. And we should say, thank you so much. I now know how to be more like Jesus. I'll give you a small example. I'm not saying the words, I don't listen to my wife. Okay, just bear with me. But I cannot tell you how many times I've gone to my wife and given her a thought or said, hey, I think I'm gonna go get this checked out. And she's like, I have literally been telling you that for months. 
What if you were just walking around with a broken arm telling everybody it wasn't broken? And everybody's like, you clearly have a broken arm. Please stop using it. And the moment you realize that, it means that it can be healed. Conviction is the warning sign that you now have the opportunity to be healed. Thank you so much, Holy Spirit. And and we see this in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says, repent, then in turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Should we feel bad about our sin and convictions? 100% yes. And please know that when we bring it to the Father, it is the most refreshing thing that we could ever have because now, in that moment, we have a way and an opportunity to share the gospel that has changed our life. And slowly, as the gospel has changed our life, we stop being people who are seeking others to gain something, seeking things to gain something for our own selfish need, and we slowly become people who are seeking someone to serve. Because as we are seeking a savior and trying to be our own saviors, finding something else to satisfy our hearts, it will never last. And when we truly find that satisfaction, which can only come from Jesus, it will radically change the mission of who we are in our existence. Zacchaeus did it, the mob boss. Now lives everything he has to serve those around him. What would it look like in your life to serve those around you? I believe relationships would be changed. Roommates, sweet mates. I believe marriages will be changed. I believe neighborhoods could be changed. Have you served your neighbor recently? This is now me convicting myself. I will go see my neighbor today. But do you know their names? I'm just going to be honest. Can you go down your street and know who your neighbors are? Do you know the people around your workplace? Do you know the people you come into proximity with often? The person that serves you Shadrachs, the waitress you always see. Do you even know them? Because what I believe can happen is we can slowly become people who are so focused on not seeking something from others and trying to gain something for ourselves, but we could be people that serve others and give them the same joy that has changed our hearts. All of a sudden, going to work is not about how can I get money to do things, it's about how can I take the gospel to those around me. Or how can I take the money and how can I give it in ways to be a culture of gratitude to advance his kingdom strategically. This is what it looks like when we have been changed. So as we come to a close today and the band comes up, the question is, what are you seeking? We're all seeking something. Has it become something that has distracted you from seeking after Jesus? For some of you, do you need to recognize that Jesus has been pursuing you for a very long time and you need to turn and follow after him? Maybe for some of us, we need to remember he has done that for me. And we need to confess things so that we can do that in a way that is so much more better than what we've done in the past. And is the way that you're seeking out, is it focused on others and the people around you? Let us pray.
Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the story of a short guy who was a tax collector, yet you changed him. Someone who who never would have imagined that he could have been used, but you knew. So Father, would you be with us as we seek after things that will never satisfy? Would you be with my friends in the room that have never followed after you? Would you help them see that they can as they repent and follow after you? And Father, would you challenge us as a church to be a people who seek others, taking your gospel to them way more than we ever desire anything else in our hearts?